Well, this is our third week of uh, our series, Life is a Journey, or Lessons from the Road, however we want to call it. Uh, my first, the first week that I preached, the beginning of March there, um, we talked about, uh, I just want to kind of give a quick recap of what we've gone over since I've, I started preaching. We talked about that we need to be a church uh, that is called to be moved with compassion at the needs of those who do not know Jesus. That was the very first week. We need to be, that's the church our community needs. We need to be moved with compassion for the needs of the people in our community. We need to be moved for their physical needs and for their spiritual needs. If we don't weep for the lost, we need to have God pray for our heart. We need to, we need to have our heart touched. We need compassion for those that do not know Jesus. That was the first thing we talked about. Uh, way, well, it seems, like, it seems like I've been here a long time. Um, and that's a good thing. It seems like, but it's really just been a month. This is my fourth Sunday preaching. Fourth Sunday, I, see, I feel like I've been here a long time, which is a good thing. That's not a bad, like, you know, it's not like it seemed like I've been here forever in a bad way. Uh, but it's one of those things, we, I just really feel well knitted into the body. I feel just such a good binding of our spirits together by God's presence. But this is who we need to be as a church. We are called to be a church moved with compassion for the needs of those who do not know Jesus. And the following week of that, we talked about Balaam and his talkative donkey. And uh, we talked about that uh, God wants your attention because he has a call for your life. God wants your attention. He used a donkey to get Balaam's attention. Uh, I don't know what he needs to use to get your attention, but he has a call for your life. And that's what we want to understand is that every day the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. God is always talking. The question is, are we listening? We, I've taught that to kids for years, that the Holy Spirit is always talking. The question is, are we listening? God wants your attention because it has a purpose for your life. And then last week, we talked about Paul and Ananias, and we talked about that your obedience could release someone else's blessing. Paul had a moment of transformation on the road to Damascus, but it was when Ananias prayed for him that he moved out obediently that the scales fell off his eyes, and he moved into a new ministry. Your obedience can release someone else's blessing. Well, this morning, I want to talk about uh, Jesus and the disciples. They spent a lot of time on the road. You might not realize that, but in the, the, the lifetime of ministry, the three years of ministry that they cover, they, they, the estimate based upon the gospel account is that they walked somewhere around 3,000 miles in three years. And so for those of you with Fitbits, uh, I'm not sure how many steps that is, but what, 10,000 steps is like five miles, right? So you do the math. That's a whole lot of steps. That's a whole lot of steps. They actually estimate, based upon the, uh, how things worked in the ancient Near East, that Jesus in his lifetime probably walked about 21,000 miles in his lifetime. But if you want to, 3,000 miles, that is uh, from here to Los Angeles and then uh, about 350 miles into the ocean. Uh, and so that's, it's a long way. So I don't want to walk that far. I really don't. But Jesus and the disciples, they walked a lot uh, and so we have plenty of lessons that we could pull from their lessons for their life on the road. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to focus in on one that is found in all four Gospels. Now, just, just to give you, I'm, I'm going to give you just a brief overview. Uh, because I, I, just to understand the significance of when Jesus came to Jerusalem. The, the triumphal entry, as we call it. Uh, which is what we celebrate next week on Palm Sunday. Um, just understand the significance of it. Uh, it is found in all four Gospels. Now, this is just the brief Bible lesson, in case you're not familiar with this. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic Gospels. 
which means that they overlap quite a bit and they, uh, they have a lot of items in common. Actually, in Mark, only about 3% of Mark is unique to Mark. Uh, Matthew and John, or Matthew and Luke both have about 30% is unique to them. But they, they actually believe that those three were written from a source text that might be called a Q text. And uh, so they, they, they align a lot of times. So you'll, you'll hear the same thing that happened in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It, it might be told in a little bit different way. And that's why they call them the synoptic gospels, because they, they line up and things. But then there's all sorts of things that happen in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that don't happen in John. And then there's things that happen in John that don't happen in the other three. And so that's why John is kind of out on its own. John is the, uh, it's the gospel, it's, it's actually kind of known as the signs and wonders gospel uh, because it, it, it talks very much about the miracles that Jesus did. And so I just want to talk about that for a moment to give the understanding of how important the triumphal entry is, is because it's one of the few occurrences in the New Testament that you see all four gospels cover. It's a big deal. It's a very big deal deal. The reason it's such a big deal is because it was really, literally, Jesus publicly declaring, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. Because as he went in to Jerusalem, it was, it was in fulfillment of a prophecy that was read in Zechariah 9.9, and it said you know, that he would come in riding on a colt or on a donkey. And so Jesus was literally declaring when he came in that day, I'm the king. I'm the king. That's a big deal, isn't it? It's a very big deal. And so that's why I want us to understand how monumental this moment was, that it was covered in all four gospels. So if you want to open your Bible today, we're going to be in Luke, Luke chapter 19. Uh, I just like Luke. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Luke. Uh, now, if, you know, Luke and the book of Acts were both written by the same author, Luke. Uh, sometimes they're referred to as Luke Acts, as one book. Uh, Paul gets credit for writing the most of the New Testament. Uh, Paul wrote the most books in the New Testament, but Luke actually wrote the largest percentage of the New Testament. He wrote like 27% of the New Testament in these two books. Luke was actually designed, if you read how it's written, was actually written to be read out loud. It's a narrative. It's like, it's, it reads like a story. And so uh, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk, we're going to be in Luke 19, starting in verse 28. So after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks why you untie it, say the Lord needs it. Now, I want to insert just a little something here. Because um, since all the, the synoptic gospels, all the gospels cover this, they have just a little bit variation of it. And so I'm going to insert a couple of verses as we read through here. So you, you guys stay right there in uh, Luke 19, 31. Um, and so it said, wait, why are you untied? The Lord needs it. Uh, Matthew 21, 4 and 5 adds in, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a colt on a colt and a foal, the foal of a donkey. So that's where it reaches out that, that fulfillment of the prophecy because Matthew's written to the Hebrews. Matthew is written to the Hebrews. So they, they include that in there so that we understand that this is in fulfillment with the prophecy. So I just got a couple more places where I want to do that, picking back up in 32. It says, Those who were sent went ahead and found it as he had told them. 
As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt uh, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. At first, his disciples did not understand this. Now, this is in John. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done all these things to him as people were beginning to glorify him. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known of this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and circle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you into the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will, ne- they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. You know, there's, there's some lessons from Jesus' entry that I want us to highlight today that I think are important for us. Um, the, you know, we, we understand what happens after Jesus' triumphal entry. He goes through, has all these miracles, um, and they are uh, the powerful, powerful ministry, powerful ministry that week of ministry leading up to his crucifixion. And uh, I want us to remember first and foremost as we walk in the journey of life, here's something we need to keep in mind that the praises of men, the praises of people, are temporary. They're temporary. How quickly did people turn on Jesus? They turned quick, didn't they? The praises of people are temporary. So as we walk along this journey of life, if we're doing it for a pat on the back, if we're doing it for the recognition of others, we're doing it for the wrong reason. If we serve in a place of ministry and we say, well, I didn't get a good enough thank you, so I'm going to go serve someplace else. We're serving for the wrong reason. So this is what I want you to understand. The Lord sees what is done in secret. And we always hear that and we go, well, that means you shouldn't sin. But understand, the Lord sees what no one else sees. He sees your good deeds that no one else sees. In the journey of life, we need to worry about pleasing our Heavenly Father alone. In the journey of life, we don't need to worry about those that are going to line the roads and tell us you did a wonderful job. We don't need to worry about lying those that are going to say, good, good, done, good, done, well done, good job. We don't need to worry about that because the praises of people are temporary. The praises of people are temporary. You know what else I noticed in this verse, in this this section of Scripture? What did Jesus do? Jesus sent the disciples. He sent the disciples to get people. Here's something I want us to understand in this journey. You need help in the journey of life. You need help. You're not designed to walk through life alone. We are not meant to walk through life alone. You need help. The Christian faith is one of community. This isn't about your individual 
accomplishments. This isn't about what we could do on our own. That's not how we are meant to live. We're meant to live in relationship with one another. We're meant to live loving one another. What what does the Bible tell us? You will be known as my disciples by your love for one another. Acts chapter 2 tells us that they had everything in common. They were living all together. They were all together in one community. Now, I'm not saying we have to sell everything we have and move into one big house. Um, But what I'm telling you is that we do need to be in relationship with each other. We need to love one another. That's why I said there's a difference between being friendly and being loving. Because there is a difference, isn't there? Friendly says, hi. Loving says, how are you doing? And then actually caring about the response. Have you ever asked, how you doing? And somebody responds, yeah, I'm not doing that good. And you're like, okay, well, good, got to hear it. Because it, was, it wasn't really sincere, was it? If you're not willing to stop and listen how somebody's doing, don't ask them. Now, if you stop asking how people are doing, I'm going to have to pray for you. But I want you to understand We need to be loving because we're not designed to walk through life alone. And so that's part of the reason why we're going to continue to be a church with small groups because we want to be a church that's in relationship. That's why we're going to be a church that talks about serving in ministry because we want to be in relationship with one another through serving together. If we can work together for the glory of the Lord, it has such a great opportunity for us to actually care about each other. I don't want you just to go to church with a bunch of people. I want you to live life with a bunch of people, this bunch of people. We talk about we're the family of God. We're bound together by his spirit. We're bound together by his love. And so we have to remove the things that separate us, which means we have to understand that this is not about an individual set of accomplishments. This is about our ability to love one another. That's what I saw here. Jesus, even Jesus, had disciples that walked with him to help him in the journey. Actually, that's what we see in Mark chapter 3. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read it to you because it's one of my favorite portions of Scripture. But if you want to turn there, we're going to be in Mark 3, uh, verse 13. This is Mark 3, 13. This is one of the most powerful things that you will understand in our relationship to each other and our relationship to God. I genuinely believe this in the heart of serving and in the heart of being in a church. Here's what uh, Luke chapter, not Luke, Mark chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Jesus went up on the mountainside and called to them those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority over the demons. Jesus called them. What He called them, right? What's happened? So that they might be with him. Jesus first called the disciples to be with him. Jesus wants us to be in relationship with him. Okay? It's not just about working. That's why it's not about works. It's about being with him. If we don't have a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then our work is just like volunteering at the, at the YMCA. But then what do you do? To be with them and so that he might send them out. The first order call is that we would be with him. And the second one is that he will send us out. See, here, here's the reality of life is that one is too small a number for greatness. One is too small of a number for greatness. We need each other. 
We need each other. We can't do this by ourselves. We can't walk alone. We can't move through life on our own. The reality is that disciples were willing to be sent. Disciples were willing to be sent. They were first with Jesus, and then they were sent. So in our life, we have to understand that we're not called to do this by ourselves. We're not called to do this by ourselves. We're called to do this with Jesus and each other. And if you're trying to do it by yourself, you're probably finding it very, very hard. You're probably finding it harder than it needs to be. You're probably finding that you're not accomplishing as much as you would like. And the reason is because you're trying to do it by yourself. This is not an individual sport. Christianity is a team activity. You know, our small groups are getting ready to come to an end uh, the first week of April. We've got more starting up the first week of May. If you're not involved in a small group, let me encourage you. Join a small group. If you're not serving in a ministry, let me encourage you. Get connected in a ministry. I had a friend that was on staff at a church, a large church that was known for their children's and youth ministry when they started. And um, people would come and say, well, what do you have for adults? They said, well, this is what we have for adults. You can work with kids or you can work with teens. That was how everyone got connected. How do you, how do, what do you, well, I want an adult small group. Okay, you can work with kids or you can work with teens. But they know, knew that relationship would come as you serve alongside each other. Relationship comes as you fellowship in a small group. Relationship comes as you go and you go to lunch. I, I grew up in a family that after church, I don't know what you do after church. Um, some families, they're just tired. They want to go home and lay down. Um, we start at 10, and we're typically out by 11.30, so it's really not that long a day. Uh, but let me encourage you. My family, we grew up, we'd go out to lunch. We'd, we'd invite people from church. Uh, and my, when, I, when I say my family, I had like 35 family members that went to the same church. And so we would all go to the same restaurant. We'd go to the one that would give you the 10% off because you came brought a church bulletin. And uh, we would invite two or three other families. So typically, we'd take 30 or 40 people to a restaurant. Yeah, everyone paid for themselves. So if you invite me out for lunch, I'm not buying. Um, but I, I want you to understand, we'd all go out. Why? Because we wanted to be in relationship with people. So after church, what do you do? do is, is it like a bunch of cockroaches when you flip on the lights? They scatter? Or are you inviting people out? Are you being caring and loving and building relationship with maybe somebody that you don't know? Maybe you've gone to church with somebody for 10 years and you still don't know their name. There's something wrong there. Because we weren't designed to live life alone. I was talking to uh, Ina and Pat about our greeters. The greeters ministry is a wonderful place to put new, uh, new servers or new volunteers because people that are new to our church, everybody's new to them. And so they greet people. But when we get in church for a while, what do we do? We gravitate towards the people that we know. We have to be intentional. If we're going to be a church known for outrageous hospitality and over-the-top guest welcoming, then we're going to have to break out of our comfort zone, aren't we? We're going to have to be intentional. Our, our ushers, you can see them. They're in the gold jackets. They, they, they're intentional about that, which is wonderful. But it's not just their usher's job to welcome people. It's our job as a church. We want to be inviting because we weren't designed to do this by ourselves. Jesus called the disciples to be with him in relationship. They walked together for three years, didn't they? Close relationship. The, the word tells us that they don't cover everything Jesus taught in that three years. 
and then to be sent out. If we aren't in relationship with each other, if we don't care and love one another, then this is just a club. And that's not what I want to do. I want to love people. I want to care for people. I want to be in relationship with people. That will be what changes our church is if we are genuinely interested in the lives of people. When somebody says, will you pray with me? And you stop and actually do it. When somebody says, I'm having a problem, you listen to them. My wife is an amazing person at that. She has the capacity to listen to somebody that has a need um, well past what I do. She is amazing. She's so genuine in her care and love for people. That's the church we need to be. Because we weren't meant to do this alone. The journey of life was never meant to be done by yourself. It's meant to be done with others. And if you're not in a relationship, let me encourage you. You need to be in relationship with people. You know, in um, Luke, you don't need to turn there, Luke 24, after Jesus has been resurrected, he, he meets two gentlemen on the road. And as he walks with them a little bit, Here's what they say in verse 32. said, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? When we walk this journey with Jesus, Jesus will touch your life. Jesus will touch your life. Too often we try and do it on our own power. We do it on our own strength. You know, we don't speak to the mountain. We try and push it out of the way. Jesus will, his presence, that's why I believe so much in the altar. That's why I believe in worship. That's why I believe in opportunity to just spend time soaking in his presence. I can preach a good word. I can teach biblical truths. But without God's presence, the transformation doesn't really happen. It's not because of my eloquence or my, the points that I'm making. It's because of our openness to his Holy Spirit. It's because of our openness to his work. The journey to, Je- the journey to life with Jesus leads us to places that beyond what we see here. You know, those two men, as they're walking the road with Jesus... They didn't know where life was going. They didn't know what was happening. But Jesus appeared to the disciples, and in 2450, it says, When he led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken into heaven. See, the journey with Jesus, it takes us places that we have never seen, places that we don't anticipate. The journey of life can be hard, especially when we're doing it on our own, when we're trying to do it by ourselves. But you and I need help along the journey. We weren't made to be by ourselves. We were made for community. And this morning, if you're feeling alone, I want to tell you, you're not. 
Jesus is here for you. A church family is here for you. We are here as a body of believers to tell you Jesus loves you. And we do too.